the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. AM 1220 KDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. mixed as lawmakers inch towards a stimulus deal but i saw goldman sachs said don't count on it it ain't gonna get done they're too far apart goldman sachs does a lot of research on this stuff they have billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars of assets so they employ economists and researchers and analysts and brokers to make sure deals continue to get done and that they're knowledgeable about where the world stands and sits. If I were to say, do I think Pelosi and Trump get something done? Yeah, but then you throw in the Senate and you go, no, I don't, know." And when Goldman Sachs goes, definitely not. I'm like, okay, that, I, I don't have to think about this. But yet I'm still holding out hope. Keep in mind, I've said hope belongs in two places. It belongs in a church in the football field. I hope the 49ers have a great season because I would like to see everyone in my neighborhood get together, hang out together, laugh together, have a good time together. Remember the golden days of Joe Montana and Steve Young and go, ah, now this is what it's all about. I'm selfishly for the, the region. I want it. This is so funny. I got flack yesterday on television. I, uh, at the end of my segment, I said, go Dodgers. And I got hate letters from Giants fans. I'm like, Dude, I just want the World Series winner to be from California because the World Series winner gets a pay higher check and the higher check equals more taxes and more taxes equals more money for the governor to, uh, how shall we say, rake our forests and such like that. Pay firefighters and, and frontline workers is what I really should say. I shouldn't make a joke out of it. Um. But that's me. I look at things, and again, I hate the Dodgers, and I hate L.A., and it, it takes a lot of pride for me to swallow that one. Um, but maybe it's a pro-California thing. Maybe it's a pro-Taxes thing. I'm digressing very, very quickly, devolving the show in less than five minutes into a Rob Black and your Rob Black show. 
my kids are so funny. Uh, my mom's diabetic. So my kids say, hey, why don't you change the name of your show to Rob Black and your diabetes? Because <laughs> I'm leaning that direction, especially with COVID. Uh, I have an Apple Watch. My exercise loop has not been closing recently without the gym or I don't even want to go running down the street and see other people and their other masks. And I just yuck. Don't want to see it. Don't want to be there. Um, stocks are interesting day. The Dow has turned positive after starting mixed after looking positive last night. The Dow is up one half of 1%. That's a big move. If we get word that from the, you know, the hallways of Congress, that, you know, Nancy's people are rushing out with smiles on their faces. The market could probably move another 1%, 2% in a day. And again, I'm not really pointing on it. Bitcoin's on the brink of a fresh 2020 high, following a PayPal embrace. Largest digital coin gained 7, uh, no, no, not 7, 4.7%. Sitting at 12,464. If you want to own Bitcoin, you can own Bitcoin. Make it a very small portion of your portfolio. You... Use an ETF. Don't go out and buy actual Bitcoin. Use an ETF that invests in Bitcoins. If you want to do like 1%, I have no problem with that. I'm not doing it. I'm sitting on the sidelines. I don't care. I've got enough wealth to last me till the day I die. I don't need to speculate. I don't need to catch up. I don't need to try to hit a home run. On a baseball team, I'm the guy who's going to win the batting title by pushing a bunt fair by dragging a, a bloop, dropping a bloop single out there. I'm never going to hit home runs. I don't want to. I've hit a home run with Apple. I've hit a home run with Nike. I've hit a home run with Disney. I've hit a home run with Qualcomm. All stocks that I regularly talk about on this show, and I tell you when I buy a new stock. Um, with that said, I don't aim to do that. A baseball team is successful when you can have a variety of players do a variety of things. A first baseman should probably look like Paul Bunyan. He should be a six foot six guy with nothing but muscle, he can't really move to his left or his right. First base, all you got to do is cover 10 feet and you're good. You need a lefty and a righty. You need a shortstop who is a defensive shutdown, and you need a shortstop who has a little pop in his bat. You need some outfielders who can you know, hit the long ball, but you also need some outfielders during the 8th, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings to shut down the other team who have speedier legs. You have to build a team. They all can't be first basemen. They can't all be shortstops. They all can't be uh, pitchers. And even in your pitching, you have to have some diversification. So if you want to own some Bitcoin, I'm fine with that. The news out there with Venmo and PayPal, it's getting a little bit better in Square. More and more people are taking it and um, sitting it back and forth. For my financial dedication portfolio, for what I'm dedicating to finance, I'm kind of leaning more towards something like a visa or a mastercard or a paypal or a square i don't have to own the pure play now again the, the u.s government's printing more money than ever before and they're devaluing the currency whereas you, in theory bitcoin doesn't get devalued um but then again i haven't seen one person buy a coca-cola with a bitcoin or go on a vacation with a bitcoin um, I've seen people buy a computer with a Bitcoin in what was considered kind of cute at the time. The guy spent maybe $1,000 a Bitcoin, and then he only, only to see Bitcoin go up like 300%, just a crazy tear. So he really overpaid for that computer had he paid cash. 
but I'm digressing. I don't know what his strike price was, but again, I don't like it. One in four Americans have already finished buying all their gifts for Christmas. That's bad news. Over 25% of consumers have already completed their holiday shipping, uh, shopping. The early shopping could be driven by federal aid, provided as millions of Americans continue to be unemployed because the coronavirus relief bill increased unemployment benefits and overall reduced spending during the last six months. A lot of Americans have a little more money in their bank accounts today than they otherwise would. Um, We had less spending because we went on fewer vacations. We had less spending because we drove to work less. We had less spending because we were buying less coffee at work. Um, You get the idea. Among the consumers buying ahead of time, 44% of them were parents with children under 18. Nearly half of the consumers also have household incomes of $100,000 or more. We're waiting on stimulus package. That seems to be the story of the day. But good news, ladies and gentlemen. Mookie Betts stole a base last night in the World Series, and now we get a free Doritos Loco Taco. Woo! Free taco. Free taco. Free... Um, I can't get that excited about a Taco Bell Doritos Locos Taco. But that's the ninth year in a row that they've done this silly promotion. Uh, And every year I talk about it. Free is free. I like it. Will I actually take advantage of it? No. I'm a food snob big time. But what did they just get in advertising? For a silly promotion... And the best thing you could ever do, if you ever want to see how promotion work, go to a Costco when COVID's gone and get a free sample of something. When you get someone to actually try something, it's a home run. Otherwise, advertisers are just left guessing. Snap had a great quarter. Netflix, eh. It wasn't the greatest quarter by Netflix. We'll talk about that and more when we come off break. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a new blog on the elections and investing at newfocusfinancial.com. Check it out today. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM This is strangely one of my favorite songs from the past few years. I can't tell you that I listen to it every day, but I think about it every day. I named my dog 01110111 because of this song. So when you're at a dog park and you go, 01110011, come. I wanted to name my dog Vicious Bloody Killer <laughs> to be at a dog park and say, Vicious Bloody Killer, come. I just watched the small children panic and intense. Um, Alt in cold blood by Alt J. Um, I think they make some music that's 
kind of nice and easy to listen to. I know you're saying, tell me about stocks, Rob. Tell me about stocks. Give me a second, please. Um, Bitcoin is on the brink of fresh new 2020 high following the PayPal embrace. That's a good story. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to knock you if you want to own it. We're all different. Um, Warren Buffett once said something along the lines of you should treat investing as you have a punch card with 20 punches. And because of that, I've probably committed more to long-term Visa than I have to long-term Bitcoin. Which one has better upside? Probably long-term Bitcoin. Maybe. But then again, it's not real. And that's where, that's where I just get freaked out. Visa is doing real transactions. Now, again, there's a lot of uh, fintech, financial tech, fintech, shortened to fintech, financial tech companies that are coming out and changing the world. Um, Robinhood's probably the greatest example, followed by Acorns. Robinhood is to... Robinhood probably forced Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade to consolidate because they said, you open an account at Robinhood, and you could be, you and Andrew could be sitting at lunch today, and you could say, Andrew could say, hey, what's a good hot stock? And you go, um, that company that owns Tender, or that company that owns Snap, or the, and you can start coming up with ideas. And you go, oh, 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 I like the way you, I like what I pick up, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And he goes, I'm going to buy $20. And by the end of lunch, he could transfer it from his bank account, 20 bucks, to Robinhood. He could get 20 bucks of Snap. And he could be up 24%. Let's call that five bucks. He could have made five bucks by the end of lunch. Robinhood is kind of gamifying investing. And that's a bit of a problem. But I'm okay with it because they've also reduced commissions and fees, which means more people are going to invest in theory. we In theory, we can't replace how many people we are losing as fast as what is being drawn from the market by the baby boomers. Anything we could do to get the millennials in, we need to. Okay, okay, let's move forward. Netflix missed on subscriber additions and earnings per share. It was not their finest quarter ever. But if you're a long-term Netflix believer, there's reason to smile. Their earnings fell short of global pay, uh, their earnings fell short, and global paid net additions fell short. They beat on revenue. But at some point in time, they have to earn money, right? And what they're borrowing to produce shows like Stranger Things is greater than what they're earning, except for now it's starting to turn the corner. They expect to have $2 billion free cash flow by the end of the year, in large part because they weren't producing films at the beginning of the year. When COVID hit, they shut down. Stranger Things probably should have come back in October. Probably is not going to come back, but it is has started production again. For those of you who are concerned... But their free cash flow means if they're going to spend 2 to $3 billion a year on new TV shows, on new movies, if they're generating $2 billion of cash flow, they're pretty close now. They've got $8 billion plus in cash, so they probably don't need to go to the equity markets anymore. They can now go from a hyper-growth company, which was all about revenues and subscribers, to a growth company that's all about revenue and slight earnings. Uh, to earnings, strong earnings would be a great, great phase two company, growth company. I would say Apple is a growth company that has just started to introduce income. So there's hyper growth, growth, growth and income, and then income. Income doesn't grow the revenue anymore. They're boring. 
but they pay you more in cash for owning the company. Growth at income is more like a 5 to 10% grower and a 1% to 2% dividend. Growth is, we're not going to give you any dividends because we're going to keep all that money and plow it back into programming or plow it back into research and development or buy back shares or whatever reason they're not sharing it with you. Netflix also said the Asia-Pacific region, i.e. South Korea and Japan, were the largest contributor to paid membership growth. A couple years ago, all we cared about was Netflix in the United States. Then we're like, okay, they're getting a little saturated here. People know what it is all about, and they got it or they don't got it. Uh, this year, they've canceled the show Glow. Glow was critically acclaimed. I think it lasted two seasons. Don't quote me on that. And people are mad because on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, that probably would have lasted another two or three seasons, and we would have saw where the story arc was going. But for them, it's all about the math, the analytics. Uh, they're not really committed to long-term programming. They're committed to getting eyeballs to switch onto the platform, to find the platform. So that's why it's super important that South Korea and Japan accounted for the largest part of paid membership growth in the last 90 days. That's all good news. Snap. Oh, snap. Oh, um, snap. COVID-19 economic shutdowns have been very good for social media sites. That's what I want you to get from their earnings. I don't know if you own Snap. I don't know if you want to own Snap. I own Facebook. Um, they've just started to uh, monetize Instagram. Do I feel good about owning Facebook? I don't. To me, owning Facebook is a lot like owning a cigarette company, like a Philip Morris. My dad died of cancer. Um, I don't like what social media is doing to our society. I don't. And... The Social Dilemma, the Netflix documentary, see how I'm tying this all back together, kind of supported me in my thought of, like, this is too much for our society. Seems to be tearing us apart, not pulling us together. Um, but Snap had a great quarter. There were fears about softness in advertising, didn't materialize. They said advertisers have begun to resume their spending on the platform and in some cases increased spending. They said earnings are evidence of a continued broad shift in dollars online, away from television and away from print, and accelerating online. Snap stock is going to close at an all-time high today, it looks like, unless something happens to the markets. Uh, their strong commentary after the markets closed yesterday bodes really well for shares of Alphabet, a.k.a. Google, shares of Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. I'm not guaranteeing that because there could have been an internal slip-up at those companies, but the environment in which they operate is an environment where you can hit a home run because Snap hit a home run. Good for them. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. There's a new article on investing on the elections at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Take a break here. We'll be right back talking to markets with Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Today's a good day, not because Mookie Betts stole a base and everyone gets a free Doritos Locos Taco, but because we get Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com joining us to talk markets and investing and politics and what it all means to get into retirement. How are you, Mr. O'Hare at Briefing.com? Well, good morning, Rob. I'm doing a lot better now that I know we get that free taco. I was not aware of that. <laughs> yeah, it's when you do radio and television, you kind of got to throw in some of the stories that are, how shall we say, not as relevant as the elections. <laughs> Uh-huh. Speaking of which, um, I start my day every day with your uh, your in-play. Not your in-play, that's the news feed. Um, with your page one. And again, we're counting down the days to the election. We're in earnings season. And we're in stimulus talk. Will it get done? Will it not get done? I saw Goldman Sachs say, even if Pelosi and uh, the White House pull together a, a, a stimulus plan that... The Senate's likely to shut it down until after the election. How important is the stimulus plan for the midterm and long term versus the short term in your mind? Well, it's, um, you know, it's clearly important for, for a lot of people who are unemployed, you know, for a lot of small businesses that, you know, had to shut their, their doors. Um, and so you can't understate that. Um, and, uh, you know, the question is, just, you know, how much is, is necessary? Right. I'm, I'm not qualified to offer that uh, that answer. Um, and, uh, you know, it becomes a great sticking point here in terms of, you know, uh, uh, I know Fed Chair Powell has said that no, basically no, no amount is 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 too too uh, too big. Right. At this point in that, you know, history will look back and, you know, judge Congress well by doing too much rather than too little. Um so we'll see if the the bond market ultimately agrees with that assessment over time, <laughs> but uh, but it's yeah it's a real uh, it's a tough issue. Obviously, there's still a lot of need out there, no question about it. Um, and unfortunately, though, the the way that things seem to be uh, dealt with right now is that uh, it has been made into a very political issue. Um, and you know, and frankly, uh, you know, we're of the belief that. What's happening right now in terms of negotiation is, is really just primarily about political optics in front of the election. Um, our hopes are not high that we'll see uh, any big deal before the election. You know, even if we get a headline that you know indicates that Ms. Pelosi and Mr. Mnuchin have reached an agreement, I think to your point at the, in the top of the conversation about uh, the observation that you know the Senate is unlikely to pass it before the election uh, rings true. And then that creates a, a whole nother issue once you get past the election and the potential for maybe there being a, a compositional change in terms of the balance of power in Congress or not. So a lot of uncertainty there, which I think is contributing to some of this roller coaster action we've been seeing in the stock market. I'm going to put words in your mouth and you could take them and spit them out or send them any other direction. I've been building the thesis with a lot of research that either Republican win or Democratic win or a, dem- a blue sweep or a Senate uh, controlled Republican Senate. Regardless, we're going to see a lot of stimulus at the end of 2020 going into 2021. 
the only scenario where I don't see a ton of stimulus is if the Senate is, uh, is retained by the Republicans. But if I see a Democrat president, I see a ton of stimulus tied towards infrastructure. If I see a Republican president, I see uh, a lot of stimulus tied towards maybe tax cuts. So on the Democrat side, I see higher taxes, but a bigger stimulus on uh, infrastructure. I kind of feel we're set up for a win in 2021 because of the free money concept of stimulus that Wall Street loves. Do, do you want to agree with that statement? Or am I being too um, naive in my assumption that big money's coming? Hmm. Well, it's not just about the president, uh, okay. Rob. I mean, I, and so I would I uh, would would disagree a little bit just in saying that you can't just uh, you know have it riding on whether you know Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden wins. Um, so much has to do with what happens with uh, with the Senate. You know, um, if Mr. Biden wins, and then ultimately there is this so-called blue sweep, then I do totally agree with you that the prospect of there being a very large stimulus package uh, coming through uh, in early 2021, um, you know, those chances go way up. Um, If you have, you know, Mr. Biden win and then and then there's a split Congress, um, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that we could kind of still be stuck in sort of this, you know, this bickering, this tinkering with what is, you know, the, the right level. And I do think you'll get some stimulus, but I think it becomes harder to get that uh, that that uh, line item that you know that the two trillion dollar plus line item that Miss um, Pelosi is is so keen on getting right now. Um, you know, if you have Mr. Trump come back and win, and and you know uh, the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, um, Dems keep control of the House. You know, you're going to continue to get you know again some squabbling. I do think you get stimulus, but I think you probably end up getting a much uh, lower stimulus package in terms of the overall number. But at the same time, you know, the market can kind of probably react positively to that, knowing that uh, it can kind of rest easier on the idea that tax rates are not likely to increase. So there's a lot of moving parts still uh, and and a lot of implications as it relates to that, uh, to the election, uh, but not just because of who the president will be, but ultimately uh, how the Senate is going to shake out. A lot of what you and I talk about and a lot of what you write about every morning in your page one column at briefing.com, you'll throw in a little bit on the price of oil. You'll throw in a little bit on the 10-year treasury. And I don't think the average American knows why you and I will talk about oil and the 10-year treasury. Why do we talk about oil and the 10-year treasury? And what do you think it's telling us right now? Well, you know, oil can can oftentimes be looked at as a proxy for, you know, what the market's expecting in terms of economic growth. Uh, if you get oil prices moving higher, um, then you're probably going to see you know, the potential for inflation rates to move up as well. And, you know, longer dated treasuries are more sensitive to inflation pressures. And, and you'll see that reflected in lower prices and higher yields. And as yields go up at the longer end of that treasury curve, uh, it becomes a little bit more difficult to justify uh, the high multiples at which many stocks are trading. And so you see, um, you know, you see some of those growth stocks retrench as a result of that. Um, but, um, you know, oil is not the only factor, of course. I mean, there's other key um, commodities that, that play into that economic outlet, copper being one of them, you know, it's dubbed Dr. Copper because of its ability to sort of diagnose, you know, kind of what level of activity one can expect based on where copper prices are trading. 
Um, so you do need to pay attention to uh, to these elements, particularly with you know uh, a dollar that's weakening. Commodities are, are dollar denominated, so as the dollar weakens, you could potentially see stronger demand from foreign buyers that can you know consume more of that copper or more of that commodity, and that drives up prices, which then factor in again to potentially higher rates of inflation. Uh, and uh, you know we know that's basically what the Fed is wanting. You know, it wants to see higher rates of inflation right now and has pledged basically not to raise, you know, their policy rate, uh, even if it sees those higher rates of inflation. But um, but if market rates adjust upward, um, you know, the Fed could have some, some difficulties to contend with, as would the, the stock market if those rates uh, at the longer end uh, get going in a hurry. I'm stealing from your page one column when I read back to you something you wrote today. You said the S&P 500 is down 1.2% week to date, yet the 10-year Treasury note is up eight basis points, including three basis points today, up to 82 basis points, 100 basis points, 1%. Um, am I reading into the fact that you're saying the market may have a tougher time as rates increase, 10-year Treasury rates? Or am I reading too much yeah. into that? No, well, well, you know, just to be clear, I mean, yeah, Treasury yields, you know, the 10-year at 0.82% is not high in either nominal or real terms, right? But the trend has has moved up somewhat in recent weeks. Um, and uh, but, but to your question, as rates move up, uh, you know, we have to rem- remember that this multiple expansion has occurred without really any earnings growth. Um, and it's been pre- predicated in large part you know, on the persistence of extremely low interest rates, uh, as well as the, you know, policy and liquidity support you've been getting from, you know, from the Federal Reserve. Uh, but if you lose that one component, maybe not lose it, but it becomes less sturdier uh, with low interest rates, then you have a reason to question, you know, these high multiples and the ability to continue to keep um, moving higher unabated. So it will become a headwind for a lot of these growth stocks trading at very high valuations if long-term rates continue to move higher. We've got about a minute and a half. Be quick, but any final thoughts that you want to leave us with or things that you're working on? Well, um, to be honest, I'm actually, I'm going to be out at the end of the week. So I won't be publishing my big picture column as I normally do, um, every Friday, but, you know, I do write another column at briefing.com called the bond column. Um, and it's kind of apropos, I, I suppose that we've been talking about, you know, treasuries today. Um, cause something I'll be working on for that column kind of relates to some of the, uh, the interesting dynamics that are unfolding in the treasury market right now, uh, where you have interest rates going up, uh, but then you look at the dollar and it's going down. Um, so it's a little bit of a contradiction there, uh, and we're going to try and get to the bottom of that. Excellent work, sir. I will start reading your bond column. I did not know you were contributing to that, and as an investor, I tend to stay away from bond columns more often than not, but always good insights. Thank you so much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him online at briefing.com. I've been using the service for over 20 years. That's how good it is and consistent. I can tell you it's satisfied me almost every single day. Very rarely disappointed in financial news and information I get from it. A reliable source of good domestic and international information. Find them online at briefing.com.
comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, all things financial money investment. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for sticking with me through the pandemic. A couple quick rules of the show. I'm not a day trader and I'm not your investment advisor. I'm not selling a newsletter. I'm not selling a, a tracking platform software. I hope that I'm your uncle who is financially successful, who works in the industry, who can give you a good, solid second opinion. That would make me happy. I got an email yesterday from just a, a mean and nasty, ugly person. Um, he said, you disappointed listeners last week. You spoke of a stock that you own that pays a 5% dividend and you didn't tell us what it is. Why did you fail to name it on purpose? Why? Why? Spend some time telling us which ones pay 5%. First of all, foremost, I don't work for you. Okay, let's finish his email. Um, would you pick a mutual fund or ETF solely based on the idea of it paying a dividend? You must keep the radio show fun and educational if you want us to listen. I think I keep the show fun and educational. I just don't give you it stock picks every day because I don't do stock picks every day. You're a jerk. Um, you're looking for uh, some me to be your investment advisor on a radio show. You're a fool. Be very cautious on that. Uh, He's the kind of guy, and last year I got suspended for a day because I wrote a nasty email to someone who had emailed me 800 times in six years asking for investment advice. And when I finally said, stop, he writes a letter to management, and I got suspended for a day. Houston, we have a problem. Um, and he goes, when the market dipped in March 2020, um, you did not blow the siren. If you've listened to the show, I blew the siren. I said, this is a once-in-a-generation buying opportunity. You don't get that kind of dislocation where the markets are down 40% in 30 days. And when you do, you buy. I talk about having cash on hand all the time. Did I say buy X, Y, and Z? No. Buy what's appropriate for your portfolio. He wants my 5% dividend stock. My 5% dividend stock has lost 20% of its equity value. It's tied towards just making me income, so I have constant regeneration of cash coming into the portfolio. I'm not, I don't care if it goes to zero. It's not going to go to zero, hopefully. But as long as they continue to increase their cash payout, I'm stoked. With that said, is a 5% dividend stock appropriate for our producer who's 35 years old? Or last year, the producer was 25 years old? What if they already have all that? What if you, uh, someone who's listening has an inheritance? What if, or someone who's listening doesn't have an inheritance coming? What if someone who's listening is 55 years old? What if someone is listening who's 80 years old and doesn't have that ability to potentially ride out a down stock? So just throwing it out there, reset your expectations to the show. I do a great job on accumulating wealth. There's a show on the stations that's all about trading. I don't do it. I've never met a day trader that I would hire. I've never met a day trader that I would hire. And if you can show me your portfolio or you've beat the markets for five years in a row, heck, I'll do two years in a row. I'll pay you six figures. I will find a job for you that pays you mid six figures if you can show me a track record after taxes and losses. The companies like Robinhood or make commissions free or zero, 
they've taken that part of the equation out. If you could show me that you could do it after taxes and losses, I'm in. I've never seen it. I've never seen a trader do it. I've never seen a trader turn $10,000 into a million. I've got a portfolio that is worth, it's not six digits uh, and it's not nine digits, but it's eight digits, a personal portfolio. And I've done it all from investing. None of it has been from inheritance. So I feel comfortable that I can guide you to a comfortable retirement and not hurt a lot of people in the process. So I don't want to break the law. I don't want to turn it into a day trading stock. I don't want to be giving out information that's inappropriate for people. That's my goal is don't hurt people. I know it's an odd thing to say out loud, but I think there's too much in financial media that hurts people. Jim Cramer used to hurt a lot of people when he would you know, go, Bear Stearns is a buy, and the next thing you know, it's zero. Um, Cramer's gotten better. He's gotten more responsible. I'd rather t- say things like, you know, AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile have a great deal on 5G phones. Um, save three or $400 by going to them to get your 5G phone versus getting it directly through Apple or Google. I own shares of Google or Apple and Google. And yet I'm sending you to a different place to buy. That's weird. But I'm, I think that's a good financial tip. I say things like floss your teeth because I think it's a good financial tip. Dentistry is expensive when you're in retirement and you don't have any insurance at all. Teeth cleanings are about all insurance covers. Cracked teeth, cavities, other stuff like that. Eh, you're not going to get a lot back on that. Bitcoin's about to hit a high for the year, uh, following an embrace by PayPal. That's kind of nice to see. I'm picking up what they're putting down. Taking a look at the markets today. Um, it's an interesting one because it's a bit of a hot mess, as Patrick O'Hara would say. It's a market that's focused completely on stimulus or not stimulus. And in the end, I don't think it gets through this time. I would be surprised if it did, pleasantly surprised. Will I be disappointed if it doesn't? I don't. Because I do think that there's many scenarios where there will be massive stimulus at the end of 2020 or the start of 2021. Texas Instruments provided upbeat guidance. It was a pretty good night of earnings last night after the market closed. Netflix had a good quor- uh, had a, a quarter that missed, but their cash flow is improving so fast that they probably won't have to raise money again. That's a good quarter in my mind, but the numbers weren't a great quarter. Positive start today for the markets. Strength in communication services um, as Snap, strong earnings. And Snap bodes well for Facebook, Snap bodes well for Google, Snap bodes well for Twitter, uh, Instagram, not Instagram, um, Pinterest. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I've never been on Pinterest's website. Or if I have, I didn't know I was on it. There's some social media that slips through my fingers. Hey, you can find me online, social media, Facebook, uh, Cron4 Rob Black. You can find me on I Hate Rob Black under Google's YouTube, uh, Rob Black Show. Uh, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.